From Capital Analytics, I'm Abby Malone, and this is Invest Insights. Every week, we bring you perspectives, business advice, and more from the leading executives, entrepreneurs, and investors who are building, diversifying, and leading the way in the country's fastest-growing metro markets. Real leaders, real insights, right now. I'm joined today by Dennis Pullen, the president and CEO of Virtual Health. Dennis, thank you very much for being here today. Abby, thanks for having me. Well, let's dive in. You serve as a member on the New Jersey Healthcare Affordability Advisory Group. Given your discussions and involvement at such a high level in the industry, what do you see as the next steps for New Jersey's healthcare industry in becoming more affordable to individuals? You know, Abby, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy formed the advisory group about a year ago, and I was really excited to be a part of it. I also sit on the board of the American Hospital Association, and advancing affordability is one of the organization's focus as well. So when you when you think about it, there's an awful lot of studies out there that demonstrate people in this country are probably one medical emergency away from financial ruin. And, and that's simply unacceptable. So I think creating solutions to a problem of this scale really will require all of us to sort of come to the table. You know, one approach I think is to continue to try and evolve and and refine our payment model. I, I don't know if you know, but healthcare is currently in a transition from a, a payment system that's based on volume as opposed to based on value. And so we're sort of shifting in, in that way. And, and I think as we emphasize value, it really does force us to, to be more proactive and coordinate our approach to care, which at the end of the day, I think is um, better cost for both patients and for the providers. And so our goal is to try and improve transparency, try and provide customers with a better or clearer insight on what expenses they can anticipate. But it, it really is a challenge. It's, it's not an easy thing for us to, to address. And so I think one of the approaches is what Governor Murphy is looking to do is to benchmark costs, which sort of helps us to control premiums and deductibles and try and keep people from uh, allowing inflation to really outpace the increase in, in costs for healthcare. So it's complicated, but I don't have the, the perfect or all of the answers, but I just know that people across the country really do deserve to, to be able to have peace of mind around accessible and affordable health care. Dennis, as you stated in your interview with our annual publication, Invest South Jersey, a healthy diet is critical to maintaining a community's health, and you rolled out a mobile grocery store as part of Virtua's Eat Well program in late 2020. What have you learned from this initiative, and what are other innovative ways you're providing communities with the resources they need to be healthy? You know, that's a great question. I'm incredibly pleased to see the impact of our Eat Well program is having on the community. You know, at Virtua, we regularly survey the community to try and discover what concerns that people have. And, and, and once we know that, we can plan accordingly. And I think one of the things that the survey reveals is that food insecurity was a real challenge for many of the families in our region. Uh, and that really what led to our, our mobile farmers market, and then, as you mentioned, to our mobile grocery store. You know, the mobile grocery store makes regular stops year round. Uh, 
it, it stops at senior housing complexes, community centers, and, and other distressed areas. And because we're there very reliably week after week, we've been able to develop relationships with, with members of the community to help them improve their health. And, and I think one of the things that's important to note about our eat well vehicles is that the prices that the residents pay are significantly below what you would find at a grocery store. So not only are we trying to make food, healthy foods more accessible, we're also making them more affordable. And it's, it's something profoundly rewarding, I would say, about providing people with food. I mean, it speaks to the core of our humanity. And so you, you also ask about other innovations that we're developing. Earlier this year, we rolled out what we call our hospital at home program. You know, hospital at home, it's a model that allows people to, that meet certain criteria to receive hospital level care in their homes. Uh, we know that it improves a patient outcome. We know that the patient experience is better and it also frees up beds for us in, in our health system. So a hospital at home participant, it's really kind of great because they can be in contact with a member of their care team 24-7 with just a touch of a button. We provide them with devices that allow them to track their progress or allow us to track their progress from many miles away. And so that, to me, is just one of the examples of how we're trying to innovate to improve the way care is delivered. Well, it sounds like you're really adapting to community needs. And you also serve as host for the Here for Good podcast, where you engage in meaningful conversations with transformational leaders about how they create a positive impact on the world around them. What inspired the beginnings of this podcast? And aside from the topics we've already discussed, what other issues in healthcare do you believe need deeper conversations and more creative approaches in finding solutions? Well, first of all, thanks for that commercial moment about around my podcast. You know, I think what appeal What's so appealing to me about doing the podcast is that it's not about me at all. You know, rather, it's uh, an opportunity for me to have conversations with people who I know and admire. You know, it, it also provides listeners with the opportunity to hear what makes them, I think, so interesting and noteworthy. The, the podcast guests, they've come from a wide range of backgrounds and careers. You know, there's been athletes, elected officials, executives, road scholars, you know, doctors, just people from all walks of life. And I think the thing that that unifies them and what brings the podcast together as a series is that each of them, you know, they're change agents, they're, they're game changers. You know, they're, they're people that use their gifts and their abilities to be a source of good. You know, for instance, uh, one friend of mine, Zena Garrison, with, who was one of the best tennis players in the world. Um, but she now has an academy in Houston that teaches tennis to kids for free. And in addition to tennis, they learn about, you know, community and personal responsibility and wellness. You know, I had another podcast guest um, by the name of Lee Duquette. She went from being a mom who wanted to help her son with type one diabetes 
to being the founder of the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, which to date has raised more than $2 billion to fund diabetes research. So the, the takeaway for me is that each of us has the ability to be here for good in, 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 in both big and small ways. And so that's what really sort of drives me around the podcast. And I guess to, to answer the second part of your question, you know, I, I think the healthcare industry needs to think more broadly about how we can build communities of wellness. What can we do to help people feel ownership, you know, of their health and well-being of their communities? You know, how can we help them develop things such like health literacy at a young age? How do we partner with people throughout their lives instead of when they require medical attention? You know, those are the conversations that I think are happening that I'm trying to engage people in. And it's, I think, what we have to do in order to move forward. And we have to be willing to be creative to find solutions. And I think at Virtua, we're working very hard to advance health literacy and health equity. We often say that you have to treat the whole person, not just the condition. So this means taking things into consideration such as reliable transportation, safe housing, and, and access. You know, we know that there are people in our community who oftentimes may have to take two or three buses to get to a medical appointment. And so we try and remove these barriers that are created by the lack of transportation by taking our services to them, by providing mobile screenings in the community. Those are the types of things that, that are necessary. We know that unfortunately, some of our patients may be returning home to empty shelves. So we invite them to visit our food pharmacy. And not only do we provide them with free food, we set them up with a dietitian and a social worker. We know that there are people experiencing homelessness, which as a result, tend to show up in our emergency rooms much more than we would like or they would like. And so for us, we know that we have to do something to help them address the homelessness. And so we're working with outside partners to help provide and secure sustainable housing to these folks. And so those are the kinds of things that I think are, are necessary for us to do to try and create what I call these communities of wellness. Well, there's certainly big challenges, but it sounds like you're asking the right questions. And to round out our discussion today, how would you define creativity and what does that look like for virtual health and the industry overall? You know, I, I think people most often associate creativity with the arts, you know, and, and clearly you need to be creative if you're a writer or a painter or actually doing the things that you do in terms of hosting segments like this. But there is a need for creativity in healthcare. You know, creativity really is, is fundamental, I think, to innovation and to problem solving. So, you know, I think of creativity with things like robotic surgery, you know, the, the things that surgeons have to do where, you know, quite frankly, 
have to move sometimes in ways that the human arms simply can't. And so robotics help to provide that. You know, in the fall, another area in the fall, Virtual will open a proton therapy center to treat many kinds of cancer. You know, this technology is so advanced. It's like there's a proton beam that really hones in on specific cancer cells while sparing the healthy tissue and organs that that surround it. So that's a way of looking at technological creativity. And, and I think another example we just talked about is the mobile grocery store. You know, we knew what the problem was. You know, people in certain neighborhoods, uh, which we consider to be food deserts, just had no access to grocery stores. And so our solution was building a store on wheels. And that took creativity. And it goes far beyond what people expect from a health system, but it was necessary. So to me, creativity is at the core of what we do. And I think it's essential for driving the industry and for us being competitive. And, and I think we have plenty more creative ideas in the work, but those are just a few examples of what I think are important or what we can do to truly make an impact. And as our sort of brand promises about being here for good. Well, certainly sounds like you have a lot of creativity at Virtua. And Dennis, thank you very much for today's discussion. Well, well, thank you for having me and allowing me to share some of the things that we're doing and some of the, the challenges that we face as a, as, as a nation that we have to bring our, as you say, our creativity and our innovation to addressing. So thank you. You've been listening to Invest Insights. Be sure to follow, rate, and review this podcast to hear more. I'm Abby Maloney. Thank you for tuning in.